0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. We've been having a lively discussion already. And uh, I won't tell you what all we've discussed, but I finally had to cut Bev off. It was just going on and on and on. So uh, anyway, it's good to uh, to be here in the house of the Lord with you. It's, uh, it's nice and warm. It's nice and warm in here. And we're very grateful to... Uh, have the privilege of welcoming you to this uh, time of biblical discussions. And uh, I especially want to, uh, uh, on behalf of the network, extend our condolences to Sylvie Binnishon, whose mother passed away this week. Her mother lived a very full, long life. And we, uh, we ask that the Lord would bless the family during this time and uh, that uh, specifically Luke and Sylvie would have a great uh, visitation of the Spirit and that will comfort them and guide them. Um, so in all of you who are, uh, who are in contact with the Benichons, please let them know uh, of your love and concern there. But uh, I knew you'd want to know that and to be in prayer for them. Tonight, we want to uh, consider a topic that has really been on my heart for the past number of days. And I think it uh, it is something that is a result of uh, the visitation that I mentioned on this past Sunday. That occurred during a night of of uh, continuing a continuing dream through the night leading into Sunday morning, where the Lord was speaking quite a bit about grace and partnership with Him, and uh, it was really a, I have to continually thank the Lord for that experience uh, because it's, it was unlike anything I I could ever recall in my life and God has blessed all of us with a lot of different encounters with him and we should cherish each of them but this one for me was more than simply a, a blessing of commune it was it was more than uh, a, a revelatory experience I, I truly believe that it signified a An upward progression for all of us as Saints for the days that are upon us now and and I felt that it was a promotion of sorts in God because uh, this year of grace has truly positioned his Saints into a point of partnership with him that's beyond what we've known Uh, it's built and based upon how we have uh, progress to this point in our union with the father as as sons but um, i recognize that grace is so important to god um, it's as we've said before but it bears repeating of the seven spirits of god it is the one that involves um, a measure of intercession and and that intercession is partnership, and grace is that means by which God moves us from one point to another. It is uh, something that demands and requires all of us, every part of us, um, as a commitment to what God wants to do. And that uh, that point of agreement and willingness will bring us into discussions with the almighty that I I believe would not be possible without our willingness to submit ourselves in this way and um, so it, it's really when we speak about grace it's part of the heart of God and, and it is the entry point to um, to our partnering with Him. And you think about the other dimensions of the seven spirits and each of them has its own vitality and power, but you know, one of the dimensions speaks about seeing the visitation of his purpose fulfilled. Another speaks about gaining direction and wisdom for the pathway. Another speaks about what we would say and how we would pattern our lives as a prophetic testimony. Uh, The saintly calling is is our devotion to his restoration of, of his eternal will and how that embodies what we are and how we present ourselves. You know, one of them speaks about God drawing us in for a time of impartation and commune that is beyond the norm. Another speaks about from our position of authority reflecting on what he's done and looking forward to the new. All of those are dimensions of God's seven spirits, but grace and supplication is that one where God says, will you accept this, this thing that I want to do? Will you commit yourself? Will you enter into supplication prayer with me as a partner? And that makes uh, the whole concept of grace very, very special. And to me, it's it's where God makes himself vulnerable and that also is beyond our ability to to thank him for I mean it's it's amazing all the others are all the other dimensions of his of his ways of his person uh, speak about how we are working with him and receiving from him and representing him but grace is that one where we actually come and commit ourselves to what it is that he wants to do it's a commitment it's a submission and it's a partnership and it involves that kind of supplicatory supplication intercession which is what a partner does in in commune and discussion so I think uh, I think we are uh, we are in for an incredible time of uh, of moving moving in his grace uh, this is the end of the year of grace but we enter into the, the year of wisdom and revelation and that's that's an amazing thing um, you know one of the things that the Lord was speaking about uh, was the uh, referee he, he reminded me of Paul I spoke about this on Sunday and how Paul was talking about the, the abundance of of revelation and, and insight that was giving being given to him and how the enemy was attacking that and God's answer was, my grace is sufficient or my grace is what's surrounding you. My grace is what you are inhabiting and that's the answer. And you think about it, you know, the Bible speaks about how the enemy wants to turn judgment Into wormwood. He wants to bypass grace, partnership, and the insights and and wisdom that God would speak to us in that grace about how to take the light into the darkness. And Paul was really describing those two things and the enemy attacking those two things. You know, because grace is surrounding you, Paul. My grace is sufficient. And you have an abundance of revelation, you have abundance of insight, and the enemy's attacking. It speaks about that conflict uh, and that necessary uh, measure of how partnership occurs so we are entering into the year of wisdom and revelation and uh, those two are inseparable grace and wisdom are inseparable because when you're partnering with God he's going to give you insight he's going to speak to you about uh, how how to do a thing and what certain things mean that's what partners do and um, so the, these two things are really kind of uh, a confluence is happening at this point and it's it's a very exciting thing so there were three or four there were, well basically three but there's an expansion into the fourth of what I remember about what was being said over the course of the night and one of the things that was said was about the blessing of the way of of the plan of God and so we're going to talk tonight about the countenance of God and its link with with grace and this passage in Numbers chapter 6 verses 22 to 27 is a very important one it's the way some churches and denominations conclude their services where they declare this over their people. But here's what the word says. Uh, verse 22 of number 6. And Yahweh spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise you shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and release grace to you. Gracious is just the term pen, and it's the term for grace. Uh, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and that's the same word as face, and give you peace, or to ensure you finding the victory that God is wanting to share with you. And they will put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. This is the blessing of God. What, so what did he say? The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord let blessing, God's plan, bless you, and that you stay with it. And then that you will enter into that partnership with his face, which is his ways. And, and that you will walk in grace. And that the Lord would lift up His face then upon you, and direct you into peace, into the victory. That it's interesting because throughout the, the Old Testament, this same word "paniim" is is translated as face and as countenance, and and uh, it's really the, the the translation for us is simply based upon how the word they deem is used so what it means for us is this we go before God to meet him face to face and we go before him to submit ourselves to his ways because that's what his face is the circle of his ways and we see him face to face we're in commune with him and we commit ourselves not to our ways, but to His, and uh, when we emerge from that, there should be uh, something that indicates upon our countenance or the way people look upon us that we are operating according to the face of God, and that's really how the countenance is is linked with the face because they're both the same it's the same word but it's in one instance you are meeting with god and in the other instance you are representing to those who see you that you are really partnering with the most high in accordance with his ways so that's why the scripture says may you come into contact with the plan of god and may you meet him face to face so you commit to that may you then enter into grace and may when you walk forward may everybody that sees you recognize that you are walking on behalf of the face of God and that you will be brought into the victory that you are partnering with God to see that's exactly what God said to Moses that the priest should be declaring over the people. So what is it again? You know, you are operating on behalf of the plan of God. You are meeting with him face to face. You are moving in his grace. When you emerge from that agreement, what you represent, your countenance should reflect his face. And as you do that, may you enter into the victory that God has ordained for you. And I I think that is such a wonderful thing. I mean, we should not add to Scripture, but we should probably start, we should transliterate that as something that we should be speaking over our people, speaking over ourselves, because this is what God said to Moses that the priest should be saying over his people. And this is really what we're walking, isn't it? We want to know the ways of God. Now it's kind of different, and I, I don't want to I don't want to mince too many words here, but um, this is Yahweh speaking this and it's a commitment to Yahweh, the fulfillment of a partnership. And this is somewhat different than Elohim, because when we meet with Elohim, we are we're communing with him. We we, we have to have that time where we're we're embracing his love it's not all about his plan it's not all about okay lord i'm here i'm in it for the long run you you that's important that's 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 yahweh but you've got to have that heart expression and that devotion and that that commitment of love experience of love you have to have that too and and that's what people look for they they, they don't want to just look for somebody that's really doing, doing it all they called for the man of God they called for the man of Elohim and so it's but, but they work hand in hand you, you have to be knowing God and then you have to be partnering with his face and so it's kind of interesting too that Moses was the one who was meeting with God in this way uh, we're going to look at a verse here in a few minutes where, you know, because he was meeting with God face to face, the people didn't really want to look at him, and um, so they. In fact, they told they told Moses, "You go up there and you meet, and um, you know, you just come down and tell us what happens." And there's a, there's a verse that says, you know, the people want the acts of God, but Moses wanted the the ways of God, and and so <clears throat> Moses was was moving as the friend of God he was moving as one who knew God intimately and uh, and because the people rejected that opportunity that's probably why God just was saying okay here's what you've got to do but we have the privilege of doing both and we must do both so we've got to submit times to God where we're simply spending time with him and investing our heart with him but upon what we do and upon how we demonstrate that this declaration should be made over our lives father let me continue to move in your ways let me meet with you face to face let let me make that commitment to what you want to do and may your grace come and begin to manifest itself and may my life and what I represent be seen to be a countenance of the face of God, because that's what's going to bring the victory. And so, this is very interesting that that right here you have uh, God's grace being offered to these people, and uh, it's offered to us too. Now, there's a couple of oppositions. That you, there are several of them, but the two two main ones here at the beginning of the book of Genesis against walking with the face of God and I I uh, just wanted to reference them in Genesis 3 8 this was when Adam and Eve uh, listened to the voice of the serpent and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the Ruach of the day Adam and his wife hid themselves from the face of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And one of the ways that people in the day in which we're living will reject the, the face of God is by eating from sources that God doesn't want them eating from. And, um, you know, the sources God wants you eating from are the ones that He gives to you. And uh, the enemy's always trying to help God out with suggestions or make you think that he's helping you find more of God but as soon as you start going down other pathways other than the ones that God specifically is directed you're gonna find yourself hiding from the face of God and you're gonna be doing things your way instead of his way the other is in Genesis 4 the next chapter and that's uh, through jealousy and anger um, You know, Cain rose up. He was angry with his brother. He was jealous of his brother Abel. And he killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? And literally, this means, this is the word for face. Why are you not? There was something about those boys and Adam that was indicative of knowing the face of God and when when Cain did this the face wasn't there anymore and and they talk about it further you know when Cain is going to be sent out he, he's he's sent away from the presence of God he's no longer walking in the ways of God and um, you know there are some who who bring up Cain as a, as a way that they say the Bible isn't accurate? You know, the Scopes trial, the famous Scopes trial in the mid 20s, um, where they were talking about uh, you know that that very famous thing about whether the Bible was true, and they brought up Cain and who his wife was, and they used that as a as an element of the court case. And even, you know, Carl Sagan talks about Cain's wife and trying to rip the Bible apart. And even in that movie Contact, the book itself, they there was a scene where a young woman was asking a Sunday school teacher about this, and the teacher didn't have an answer. Where did Cain's wife come from? And so they were depicting that as being that the Bible wasn't true. Well, you know, just for your own Benefit, where was, where did Cain get his wife in the land of Nod? I guess those people just, they didn't say much. They just nodded. (laughs) Well, you know, the thing is, is that all flesh came out of Adam and Eve. You know, the scripture says that so many, many times. And Cain and Abel, um, had lived for a long time uh, before this episode and undoubtedly Adam and Eve had had other children basically daughters and there was only you know their DNA structure at that point you know they were living Adam lived uh, 900 and how much 930 some years I think it was Um, that's just off the memory I can't remember exactly but it was well over 900 years and so they were living a long time. They uh, their 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 structure out of Edom Eden was still growing and thriving. So, you know, this was not a an issue of incest. incest. This was an issue of necessity. And they had they had many children. And it's undoubtedly the truth that they were marrying their sisters and brothers for a while. And even Noah, you think about Noah when he landed on Ararat They 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 were the only people. And so for them to be fruitful and multiply at the command of God, they had to intermarry for a while until the Bible specifically says don't do that anymore. And it specifically says that and there's there was an issue of, you know, we don't we don't live to be almost a thousand years old. We don't live methuselah age anymore and that's because the way they were originally created has now been disseminated over the years and god said that you know um he said that you know adam is eating over here what are we going to do he's going to live forever and uh so that was the original intent of god so there was intermarrying <clears throat> during those early days of, of man's existence and it's very likely that either Cain married uh, a, a sister as it were or maybe even a daughter of Abel. That we don't know that because when it says that he, that he knew his wife the Hebrew term for wife I can't believe I'm talking about this tonight the Hebrew term for wife could mean woman, sister. It could, it could mean any, any dimension of the feminine. And, uh, and, it, and, and I wondered, you know, some speculated, we had to talk about this in seminary. It's just all kicking back in. It's one of those pages, the wind is blown open. Um, it, some suggested that perhaps he did marry one of Abel's offspring And that's why he was so concerned, you know, wherever I go, they're going to want to kill me now. You know, (laughs) you whacked, you whacked our father, you know, and uh, so God put the mark on him. And, you know, then there's others who say, well, that means that, you know, they try to race relations. But the point is that um, this does not disprove the Bible. It, It just basically shines the light on what actually happened. And, um, you know, but the point was, though, that when, when Cain entered into jealousy and, and he, he killed his brother in anger, that God said, why are you angry and why are you not representing my face now? Why is your countenance gone? And, and then the discussion continued and says, you know, I'm going to go on the face of the earth and I won't be, I won't be partnering with your presence anymore. And that's really the saddest thing of all the sad things in that whole thing that God really wanted them both to partner with his ways and that was that was lost. So we need to pray that God will keep us from jealousy and anger and we need to pray that God will keep us from eating at fruit eating fruit that we shouldn't be eating because those separate us from the face of God. So But on the other hand, you think as we as the Saints Network and the saints with our mission around the world, we function on behalf of what God is giving us from his word and in the way God is wanting to release it, we're not looking for other sources. We want his source. And God knows the table is full and keeps being supplied. And we want everybody to function in what they should be functioning in. Doing what God is asking of them to do and if we all do that there shouldn't be a problem and we can walk in the ways of God so um, but there is definitively a connection between grace and God's face his countenance and we're going to continue now to look at some other passages about when you're partnering with God how that his face will be reflected upon you Um, Matthew 17, verses 1 and 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. It's interesting that, you know, there he was meeting with um, Moses and Elijah on top of that hill, and um, god was speaking to him about the next phase of his partnership as a son on earth and immediately his face begins to be irradiated as the sun and his clothes glisten that's interesting because the same thing the same type of thing happened with moses and we could read some verses from the old testament but it's referenced here in 2 Corinthians with another verse we want to talk about. So let's just read 2 Corinthians 3, an extended <clears throat> passage, but uh, it's a good one. Verse Beginning at verse 6. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministration of death, written and graven in stones, was glorious... So that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remains is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use such great plainness of speech, not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for unto this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even by the spirit of the Lord wow we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord changed into that same image from glory to glory there's a changing that's upon us right now there's a changing God is transforming us in accordance with his face and it's from glory to glory and remember the glory is God entrusting you with a partnership for something that he's not done and and he wants to walk with you in the completion of that which is really grace you know, that's the glory of his grace and it's it's a wonderful thing but it says that when we behold what God is wanting to do, we look as in a mirror and we see what God wants to do. We are, we are changed. We're, we're changed. And he's just been talking about Moses and his face radiating. And He, he's, he's, he's talking about this necessity. There is a change that as we're transitioning into a new dimension of service to the Lord as saints... There's a change that's happening in each of you. There's a change in the way God's communing with you. There's a change in how God's going to use you. And your countenance is going to change. I remember years ago, probably 15 years ago, um, prophesying this over and over again. I'd see and vision the people of God and, and and in the time of the end and and i i would say that <clears throat> that they were calling it the shine and it's it's the glory of the lord being seen on people <clears throat> and i i really believe that's going to happen and i think that may not be in this sequence but with every sequence we're being transformed and we are we're communing with the face of god and that glory is changing us and we are being changed now at this point of, of transition. Look at what's said in 1 Corinthians 13. It continues, verses 12 and 13. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known, Else also I am known. Now abides faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. We see through a glass darkly. Now it's interesting that the word translated as darkly means that it's you're it's it's not moving. It it means that it's I don't want to say frozen, but it's a suspended sight. So what does that mean? What does that mean? You see through a glass darkly. I've heard people teach on this and they say, well, you know, in those days, the mirrors were not of great quality. And so you really got a dim view when you looked at those. And then others would say, well, you know, you're really looking through a glass, but this is this is the same word for mirror as is used in the passage we just looked at. And it is the universal word for mirror in those days. But here it says darkly. And what that means is you are seeing something prophetically that God is saying he's going to do. He shows you that. He when he meets with you, he talks with you about the mission of grace. And it really follows that pattern, promise seal of fulfillment. You are God is saying what I'm going to do. You see it, but it's not there yet. You see it you still have to walk it through the Sila to the time of fulfillment. Seeing in a a mirror darkly is seeing yourself in what God wants to do, seeing what he wants to do through you, seeing through a conversation with him where he is prophesying to you the end result. And you feel that and you recognize it and and you, you know, all right, this is what is going to happen now the thing that's happening now though is that with each dimension of promotion too much is given much is required your faithfulness small things your ruler over many you know as you progress in these kinds of things from glory to glory there is a heightened release of responsibility and authority that's being given to you now And with each one of those, you reflect in your countenance more of a supernatural dimension. You know, it's kind of interesting that I I almost spoke about this on Sunday after that dream. And I was sitting in class and CeCe was teaching. And it was amazing how many times I was hearing people talk about uh, reflecting the presence of the Lord. I remember Dennis was talking about seeing God in people's eyes and there was that discussion and several of the songs were talking about the face of God and being radiating his presence and even in here tonight several of those songs before the the new HT room they were speaking about seeing his glory and letting his face shine and our faces radiating with him and i think this is something that you know you may not have a glow about you but your visage and your countenance by the glory that god's leading us into, by what he said, you say well i don 't understand this mirror business well what's God said about this year what's God said about this next year what's being said about you? This is what you're becoming that glass is frozen. God is showing you he's saying to you, this is what i 'm going to do i'm going to i'm going to pour out into to nations beyond what we've known and in the nations where we've been there's going to be a uh, uh, an overflow of of God's visitation this is what God is showing us in our assignment of glory now we it does not yet appear how we're going to be that (laughs) we don't know how it's going to happen but it will be and for right now though we're bearing that countenance and it's going to become more and more increased. It's there's a battle for this because the enemy doesn't want it, but it's what God's ways are. Jesus patterned it, Moses patterned it, Paul references it. He says it twice about us being changed and transchanged into the same image, from glory to glory. Um, what what open face are we looking at? You know. Well, you don't see God in a mirror. You're seeing you in the mirror. You're seeing God show you prophetically what you're going to be, and you're being changed into that. It's uh, with open face. You're an open face sandwich before God. Open face. Uh, I think this is interesting. You know, Stephen in Acts chapter six, verses fourteen and fifteen. Uh, this guy must have been an amazing fellow. Um, I talked some on Saints Radio the other day about uh, uh, what happened early in Acts six, where there was, uh, you know, there was that pull for murmuring. You know, the Grecians and the Hebraic widows were conflicting with one another, and you had racial groups coming together against each other, and you had uh, social concern. You know, these poor ladies, they're not being taken care of. And, you know, you you need to come down off of your platitudes of spiritual pursuit and take care of these folks. And they're bickering and they're fighting. And all this stuff's going on. Sounds a lot like today. And uh, the, the disciples stand up and they say, Huh? Ah tell you something it's not neat for us to go after these social concerns we are going to seek the Lord in prosuke which is grace type of prayer and the ministry of the word we're not leaving that no matter how many widow women are fighting with each other and their constituents are all up in arms you know and uh, you appoint some guys that are committed to the ways of God and who are moving in his wisdom to handle this but we're not we're going to keep doing what God said he's not changed his mind very clearly said and Stephen was the top one of them all well he got marked by the enemy and um, so they're going to kill him and um, in Acts 6 verses 14 and 15 they're they're accusing him we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs with Moses delivered and all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel interesting these people that were there were setting it up to kill him they weren't impressionable people looking for manifestation they weren't easily deceived in fact they would not have wanted to contribute any token that this guy was moving in the things of the spirit but all of these 'er ne'er-do-wells are saying that his face shone like an angel interesting and um, you know subsequently then he was going to be stoned and it, it had a great effect on somebody that was standing there holding the cloaks Saul, who would become Paul the Apostle, he was probably in this meeting. In fact, he was probably helping to arrange the the false witnesses, but we don't know that. But if you're gonna be there, if you've been sent to disrupt the church, and if you are gonna hold the coats of those that are hurling rocks at this guy, chances are you just didn't stumble onto the scene. But be that as it may, Stephen's face was radiated as that of an angel. Revelation 22, verse 4, it says, They shall see his face, and somehow his name will be in their foreheads. That's interesting. In fact, Ezekiel spoke of that to some degree in Ezekiel 3. The house of Israel will not hearken unto God, for they won't hearken unto me. All the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, your forehead strong against their foreheads as an adamant harder than flint if I made your forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks though they be a rebellious house. It's interesting. Isaiah 50, even Isaiah's in on the act. Verse 7, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be ashamed. There's something about partnering with God seeing him face to face that will impact your countenance and i know that spiritually this is happening to this body and to the saints in this season it's the way god moves it's what he said on many occasions in the word we have examples of it and um I'm not saying anybody's going to start shining already, but it's coming. The point, though, is is that your countenance, spiritually, is going to reflect the ways of God. And it has to do with His grace, and it has to do with uh, partnering with His ways. So, I can't believe we're finishing early tonight, but I want to declare over you that the Lord will bless you and keep you in the pathway and that the Lord's face will shine upon you and that his grace will be your portion and that the Lord will cause your countenance to reflect the fact that you're partnering with his ways and uh, in his grace and that you will gain the victory that God has ordained for you to gain. And uh, I proclaim that over all of you in this house and over all the saints who are joining with us tonight. So study about the face. There are many, many verses about the, the face of God. We've taught on it in the past, but we didn't expound on every, every verse. It might be a good thing for you to begin to look at because God is doing something with you and in you in regard to that. And it has to do with his grace. And it has to do with this season that God is transitioning us into. I think we're pretty well already transitioned. It's just, it's just starting to manifest itself uh, uh, as, a, as a done deal. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for this privilege of being able to partner with you and I pray Lord that um, you'll help us all you'll keep us let let this blessing and this is a blessing to partner with you Let, let let that blessing be upon us and may you keep us in that pathway of blessing this is your work it's not ours we have chosen gladly to join with you in it but help us lord to represent you and to not miss any moment that you've ordained for us to commune with you and to hear your voice to know you help us lord to be sensitive to that um, and help us to know how to function in this time frame and, and and in the the ways that you're communing with us that are new and different Uh, help us let your anointing be upon us so that we will we will not miss one iota of the things you're wanting to share he that has an ear let him hear let us hear and let us walk with you so i speak blessing over this group of saints here at the father's church and i speak blessing over all of our saints family around the world and we thank you for this privilege, Father, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, God bless all of you. Andrea, thanks for keeping that section strong. Less over there. And uh, stay warm on your way home, and we will we'll see you soon. God bless you.